Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Here you go. Yep. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Anesthesia Coffee Break. My name is Lahiru. And my name is Dan. And today we're going to talk about, I guess, life after the exam and just what we've been doing because we've been absent for a few weeks, haven't we? Very absent. I miss this very much, but it's been a it's been a good break. Yeah, that's right. It definitely takes a lot to record this and edit it and put it out there. Um, but yeah, it, it is good to be back. So um, yeah, so uh, Stan, what have you what have been what have you been doing in the last uh, few weeks? Look, I've just been needing to have a break, and as you know. You know, I'm in charge of the uh, trainees. You've got a lot of roles. Yeah, no, no, yep. no. My, look, my, my main role is to be the coordinator of the part one teaching program at my hospital as well as, um, and it's a network of hospitals actually. So mm. we do have a number of candidates and we had several candidates go through the latest part one exam. Yep. So that's been a lot of work to get done and we've had very good success rates. Mm. But as always, you know, we've always had that, um, just a couple that uh, unfortunately did not get through. Mm. And I'm going to be honest with you, Lart. It's, you know, I, I put, we put in, oh, sorry. You are also involved with the teaching as well. So I'm happy to say that we, you know, we, we put in a lot of time and effort. I've got to say, you, you put in, I think you go to the next level. And I think a lot of the supervisors of first part training do this, but I've not seen, the, I mean, the, the level you go to to help people pass these exams is, uh, it's, yeah, it's really great. And, you know, in saying that, um, not seeing, and I, and I think it's also because, you know, we're always used to having success in our lives. Yeah, all of us, yeah. And and sometimes not having that success um, sort of flow onto the people who you're trying to affect positively, mm. it is upsetting. And it is also um, quite emotionally uh, draining as well. So mm. I'm going to be honest with you, it, it was a very sort of, you know, had sort of emotional time. I had to take some time off, mm. just have a break. And it... It literally feels like sometimes like I fail the exam too when I don't, when I don't get 100% success rates of my trainees through. And I have to do this every, um, you know, twice a year. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. Like I, I never thought, because I was help, trying to help a couple of people through the second part exam and they didn't get through. And yeah, like I was, I was much sadder. Than, I just thought they'd get through. I, I thought I'd be able to get them through mm. um, with, you know, spending the time I had with them, which wasn't that much time, but... It it's it's regular still, time. super time, yeah. It's still yeah. out of out of you know your own personal time, yeah. and making that effort, yeah. And it, it is humbling that you know. Anyway, anyway, I think we both experienced that. Um, and we're, we're not supermen, and yeah. uh, and and I think it is. You're right. It is a humbling experience to know that whatever we touch doesn't turn to gold. Yeah, if, that's right. Even yeah. as much as we hope it, uh, <laughs> it will. And I think it just, you know, it's just a good time for us to sort of reflect and see how we can do things better. And I, and I think that's a part of life, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And I, and I think um, in the past few weeks, I, especially with COVID and lockdowns and repeated lockdowns, I think I just lost a lot of balance in life. And probably similarly, when you go through the first part, you probably, I know I definitely lost balance in, in my life. And I'm sure most people going through the first part lose that balance. Uh, so I've had annual leave, which has been great. I've actually just stopped doing you know, I was just telling you how I, when I wake up, I, I tend things I need to do just rush to my mind. And I've just now tended to write them down and just leave it. And I realized that actually, you know what? it doesn't actually matter too much if I don't get this done. I'm going to try and work on, you know, more balance in my life. So, yeah, that's been good. No, I think that's great to, you know, to have that introspective reflection and be able to sort of build on that and, and improve on, you know, on, on the way we see things. Because I think that's, that's the big um, challenge for me personally is that I think, you know, 
we do need to celebrate the success that we have. And, you know, we had a number of trainees mm. pass and I think it's important to celebrate and be positive about that mm. as well. Okay, so um, it is important to celebrate the success and at the same time with the, the ones that did not pass, mm-hmm. you, know, I, you know, I'm trying to create like a program to tailor to those, um, to those trainees mm. yep. so that, you know, we can get them in that position again where they can achieve that success. Yep. And, and I think it's a, it's a continual um, just seek of improvement, continual just, you know, seek of just a, a better way to do things. Yeah. And so in terms of long, longevity, I've been thinking about this, that most of the periods in our life, like, you know, primary school done in, you know, seven, eight years or whatever it is, five years of high school, six years of uni, then you do your training, then that's done. And now once you've finished your training, it's the, that's the longest period of our life. So it's almost like we're in that, you know, that final very long period of our life and we've got to make this sustainable as well. Yes. And so like, you know, the amount you do, you, you know, you're saying like you'll wake up early and give Viber practice to people and all the other things that you do. How do you make that sustainable? Because twice a year, every year, how does that, that keep That's going? such a good question, Lara. And I'm going to be honest with you, like I think, you know, in the first couple of years when I was doing this, um, and, and I know you think it, it seems a lot now in terms of what I'm doing, but, uh, you know, what I was doing probably about five years ago, mm. you know, was probably twice as much. Yeah, okay. So, it, you know, I, I do want to make it, yeah, as you said, more sustainable. And I think it's just sort of reaching that level. And, and look, I think it's just a part of having that experience and having that, um, mm. just that, that time in this yes. whole process where you sort of understand yourself in terms of what you can give. Yep. And also the limits in terms of what you can give. Yes. But I, th- I think, you know, as I always talk about, you know, with, with success in, in life in general, mm-hmm. um, it's good communication, mm-hmm. but also collaboration as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think, you know, that, that's, the, that's the next step is mm-hmm. to be able to sort of collaborate. Um, you know, and, and that's what we're doing now. We're, we're collaborating with one another. We're creating this, you know, amazing podcast. But I think, you know, we need to, or sorry, I need to sort of reach out further and collaborate with, you know, other, yeah, absolutely. Uh, other people, you know. So there, there are other trainees out there who've passed, who are enthusiastic, who, all want, who want to get involved with mm-hmm. um, success of the next group of trainees and, you know, linking them up together. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's exactly what I was thinking at the same time, which is that, um, you know, you've only got so much time to, to give and do stuff. Um, and even when you go through, let's say we make whatever we do an online model that's very reproducible and, you know, you can just do minor corrections after a whole bunch of work. It's still very difficult to bridge that gap between, you know, completely online and having someone who motivates you as a teacher, as a personal teacher. Like it's very difficult for online to ever bridge that gap. So it's almost like we need to get this constant thing where we get like the trainees who've passed, who are interested you know, contributing and uh, being willing to, you know, vibe with people who failed maybe, especially the ones who failed multiple times, like getting this program that, you know, helps those who really need it because let's face it, you know, it, you may pass not for any other reason that, you know, not, not about how good you are as an Eastis, but because of all the other reasons that maybe life just handed you a raw deal on the day, maybe the month beforehand something happened and that just feels unfair. So we've got to level this playing field. Yeah. And, and look, for those who did not pass the, um, the last exam, you know, I think my big advice is don't give up. Yeah, we're, we're all here rooting for you. We're all here um, backing you. We're, we all we all want you to pass. And the big thing is to to reach out, to communicate, to collaborate. You know, reach out to us, and we we'll, we will do whatever we can to um, to help you. 
Um, like, what what would be your advice for for candidates who who didn't pass the um the last exam? Not just for the first part, but for the second yeah, part so, as well. Uh, yeah. So, the, it, I guess not passing exam is probably due to so many complex factors, and the only way I mean, I, if I was to go through a process, it would be firstly taking some time off, just taking stock being very mindful about, you know, how lucky you are and just really getting back to a bit of a, you know, feeling good about yourself because I think you feel pretty terrible. So, you know, taking a week or two, even longer, just to get back to your normality or, you know, you make sure your mental state is okay. And then after that, just trying to talk to people that you trust uh, and reflecting on why why this happened. Um, because you I think you just got to go through a process. Was it the amount of time? Was it understanding? Was it technique? Was it you know, whatever it was uh, and which part of the vibrant, which part of the exam it was, if you can find out from trusted people plus personal reflection, then you can, then you can go through a program of targeting what you need to do. Um, and then after that, it's really just good habit formation, hard work and constantly, constantly telling people what you need so you can, you know, help each other to get to the next step. So for example, if I thought it was my short answer question and my handwriting, my structures that really let me down, you know, you get feedback, I would hopefully then go, okay, this is what I need to work on. I'm going to put up a program where I work on my handwriting, work on my structures, uh, you know, meet up with people who are willing to help me, usually in a department. They really want you to pass. Like you know, no one wants you to constantly be at the same level mm-hmm. um, because they, they hired you. They really are invested in your, in your future. And so just saying what you need, so telling people what you need, telling your colleagues, telling your consultants, hey, is this possible? I think I need this to pass. And then just timetabling out a program. And hopefully if you tick those boxes, then you've done everything you can. You've left nothing on the table. Mm. Uh, and what, what do they say even for the, you know, do this exam, one go as best as you can. If it comes to the second go, same approach. Same, yep, I yeah. agree. H- have you, yeah, what, what would you say? Look, one of the challenges is, is the time pressure of when you sit next. Yeah, that's tough, isn't it? Because especially with the, uh, with the March sitting, mm. Because it's such a long time to the Viva, um, it actually doesn't give you much time to prepare for the August exam. Mm. Well, it's very different for the August exam because um, from from the August exam to yeah. the to the next thing, th- there's actually a little bit more time. Yeah. So so for those who who didn't pass the um, the first sitting for the first part, there is a lot of time pressure. And and look, I used to say that. Um, as you said, good to get some time off to reflect, just to have a bit of a break, get that mind reset, and then maybe don't sit the next one up, but sit the one after. But a lot of trainees just feel they they just feel that pressure. You know, it's tra- training is yeah. it's it's finite, isn't it? So yeah, that's right. so you feel like you want to get through, and and I think you feel that you have to get through. But is, is there any evidence for which is better to do this? Look, I think the evidence is that if you give it some time, your your success rates are better. Mm. But at the same time, you know, it, it could be one of those things where there's a lot of bias in terms of, yep. you know, people who just want to just push on and, and sit for the next one. And, you know, yep. as you said, it's a very complex yeah, uh, situation, lots, which, lots factors. which things don't change then. And so they don't change um, after mm-hmm. that. And so often what happens is when they fail the second time, then they take that extended break. And then when they sit again the next time, then they pass. Yeah, okay. But look, I, I'm, a, as I get older, um, I'm starting to think that, you know, we're, we're in the, we're in the um, you know, we're living in this world, we're here, to, we're here to create solutions. We're here to problem solve. 
And I never want to say no. Mm. I always want to be able to say, yes, there is a solution to this problem. So if you, if you don't pass in Feb and you want to sit the next one, mm-hmm. I hope there is, and I think there is a solution. There is, there is a solution to the problem, mm. you know? Um, whereas if you feel like, look, you need that time, you know, that space, and you want to sit in Feb, fantastic. Mm. We, we know that's a, that's a tried and proven pathway that has a higher success rates. Um, but I want to be able to sort of actually solve that problem in terms of, you know, a lot of trainees wanting to just sit the next one because it is natural. And I'm going to be honest with you. If I had failed mm. the first sitting, I'd be like, I want to, I want yeah. to crack on. Get this done. Get this done, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, when uh, people do get their feedback uh, of you know, their marks and how much they failed by, and often people do talk about only failing by one mark or something. Mm. Yes. And it feels like that's close. And I want to get your idea. Is that very close or is it kind of a, a nuanced thing that it's very hard to fail? You know, it's, it's very hard to pass well. It's very hard to fail uh, you know, badly. Yeah. So most people will kind of naturally, due to the state of marking and how people mark, um, they'll be around this normal distribution where some people are just... That's right. Yeah, so the close marks may not mean that you're necessarily close to a pass, which, which means that you, may, you, know, you don't want to be in that false sense of security that, oh, I just needed a little bit more knowledge. That's right. It, it is frustrating. And look, I'm not an examiner. And, mm. um, and I think it would be good to have an examiner's opinion on this. Mm. Um, so this is just my point of view. It doesn't represent the examiner's point of view. It, at the end of the day, um, you know, when they, when they show me their marks and they, they told me, you know, oh, they were just you know, one mark off mm-hmm. um, from passing. You know, for me, it's... You know, when, when, I, when I sort of um, advise trainees and educate them and tell them what to aim for, it's not about aiming just for a pass. That's not what you want to aim for. Mm-hmm. You want to aim, you know, to have that buffer. You want to be, you want to be aiming on that, on that higher range. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, you're sort of borderline doesn't mean that your frame of mind should be, oh, I just needed that, that one extra mark yep. to pass. You actually needed... Four extra marks or five, or, or a real good buffer because on any given day, in any moment. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. There's a lot of variables here to correct. To and make. and so you know, my my feeling is that it, it's actually the it's actually the other way around in terms of that I think it's actually quite um, generous and you know uh, positive of the college to actually allow a pass mark um, of that of you know they, they set the standard um, at where they set it at because. They could set it a lot higher, mm. and and that will make the exam exponentially a lot harder. But the fact that they've they've you know put that standard where they've where they've set, which is still a very high standard, um, but it allows you know a good it actually sets the bar so that you know a good number of candidates pass. Those that are sort of borderline can still pass, but obviously if you're if you're still borderline, you know you, there's going to be some that that won't pass. But I don't think we should be aiming to be borderline. We should be aiming to be um, hmm. To be competent, certainly not aiming. We're not. We're not asking everyone to be, you know, prize winners, hmm. and we're, we're aiming everyone to be competent to think about things clearly and concisely. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's the other thing that I also want to point out is that I, I think where a lot of trainees fall into a trap is that as doctors, or we're often the top one percent in terms of where where we've scored yes. um, with our marks, and then to get into anaesthetics again. You know, you you have to be selected, and you're one of the select few that's gone to anaesthetic training. Yeah. Now the the thing with that is that then after that you get distributed again. Yeah. So really, it's it's getting harder and harder. It's getting harder and harder. The pool is getting smaller and smaller. Correct. Yeah. 
and then the the knowledge requirement of you increases. Mm. You know, it, it it's it's and I think it's almost exponential in terms of the what they require you to actually know. Yeah. And so I think some some uh, candidates have that mindset that they still need to be that top one percent of that one percent. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, they need to be one percent. But what they what they don't realize is that that means that you're top you you know you're one percent of that top one percent, which is point zero one percent, and that's completely you know yes they are yes they do exist, mm. but what happens is that then they sort of forget about the the core details. And they want to focus just on the very, very tiny details. Yeah. And as you know, as you're studying physics and farm, and you study the numerous textbooks, you don't get that harmonious um, synchrony between the textbooks. In mm. fact, a lot of times when you read them, mm. they can be conflicting. Mm. You know, they can be contradictory. Mm. And having that nuance um, of being able to merge them actually takes a bit of skill. And we're not asking candidates to do that. Mm. Okay. But I think where, where candidates can fall into a trap is when they try to nuance all that complexity. And then we, we ask them a question and the question is basically answer it in 10 minutes. Mm. And you're like, well, I've got all this knowledge. <laughs> yeah, how, right. how do I answer this in, in 10 minutes? And I think the best marker of, you know, Ansgar has re- released um, certain marked papers as well as, you know, whenever you can get an examiner to mark your mark your paper that you've done, or looking at the examiner's reports, I think one of the commonest, commonest things we get asked is, "How do we know what a pass is?" Because on one hand, you don't want to aim at a pass, but then on the other hand, you don't want to aim at too detailed. There's this Goldilocks zone, which is very hard to know. Yes, um, and I think the only way you can firstly know it is, I think the easiest way to, way to know that the answer to that question is, uh, try, try to be in, in your peer group. Because you know, majority majority will pass. So in in your within your peers, try to make sure that you're at the same level as everyone else. Yes. Um, that you're not missing out. That you know your structures are similar. That your content is similar. And that's why I think study groups are pretty good as a barometer, as a measuring stick, really. Yeah. Uh, but then also, always having the examiner's reports near you yeah. as you're doing your questions, yeah. uh, and hopefully getting some marked questions, which I think Ansgar has already released. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, one of the examples that I'll give you is um, we. We run a introductory uh, training uh, exam for the IT component, mm. and we run it similar to the SAQ exam, the primary SAQ exam. And in a way, it sort of introduces our introductory trainees to what the SAQ paper is going to be like. Mm. So one of the questions that you know I, I quite like is, um, what are the pharmacological considerations um, that you would consider uh, when using propofol as an induction agent for patients? Mm-hmm. So. You know, the question asked about pharmacology of propofol, mm. but it's very specific in terms of it, it asks you, what do you think are the important concepts mm. um, when sort of deciding what induction dose you use um, for inducing a patient? Yeah, so okay. it's very impressive, but this is where um, I talk about in terms of candidates having that knowledge, but not actually putting into context. So when I was marking the exam, a lot of candidates had very, very good um, knowledge about propofol and they would be describing to me the pharmaceutics of propofol. Yep. So they would say, you know, propofol is a 2,6-diisopropylphenol, um, what its pKa is, what its pH is, which is yep. all correct. So the pharmacokinetics are going into lots of detail. Fantastic. And they draw, draw me the structure of propofol, which is quite easy, but, you know, yeah. impressive. Oh, so yeah. you draw, even, look, I, I've probably <laughs> forgotten how to draw it, but... Um, so they draw me the structure. They would have all that information there. But 
what they fail to see is the context of the question is that those things don't actually decide what dose you're actually going to use mm. when inducing a patient. Yeah. So I think that's what I want to sort of come across is that, you know, remember that you've got all this knowledge, but you have to be able to put into context in terms of what, um, what, what the exam's about, you know. And, and I always harp back, and I think you, you make this good point as well, that, you know, it's, you, you have to do the SAQs, you know, because it, it really ties in in terms of what they're trying to get at. Um, because it, it's, as I said, it's only nine, ten minutes. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so if, if you didn't pass the exam this time, you know, get back to your health, take the time that you need, and then come up with a structure, a plan. Um, you know, if you've got a plan, and you, you, let, let's say you've talked to people about what, what went wrong and what you think went wrong and reflected on that and then come up with a plan, feel free to send it in to us yeah. and you know, get, get us to and comment on it as well. That, yeah. That's perfectly fine. I think that's great. So like, I would love to see what's out there in terms of what has worked. Yeah. And I think that's what we're going to do next time. We're going we're gonna to talk to a candidate who, um, who didn't pass the first time mm-hmm. but passed the second time. Yeah, and one. and we'll see what um, what their strategies were. I think that would be useful. Yeah, I think we need lots of stories like that just so we have a you know good enough. So if if there are any people out there, Lahiru and Stan at gmail.com, please email us if you've you know failed or failed a few times and passed eventually. Mm. We'd love to know what you've done um, because I think it would really help so many other people. Because you know, let's face it, this this exam process can be brutal. Yeah. And I think you know their stories can um, can help others because. Yeah. You know, I, I, as I get older and wiser <laughs> you, and, you know, you, all those you mentioned things this whole reflection. Yeah, no, as I get older. I feel old. <laughs> I've just turned 40, so. Ah. <laughs> was that recently? It was, it, was, it was just over a month ago. Oh, I kept that secret. Thanks. <laughs> oh, two, two months ago now. Um, so as, you know, as I, as I sort of uh, go through this whole process, I really, I really do think it's not, you know, a one-size-fits-all. Mm. Like, there's so many... Um, Combination, so many scenarios in terms of you know what can actually give you success, and I think it's important for people to share their stories and to actually um, you know see what works. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. So on a more positive note, then, um, what, what what do you do if you've passed this exam? Uh, what, what did you do, Stan? <laughs> I tell you what, you know, like I think I was still in that zone, and and you know, I remember that I was at the uh, so I was at the Northern Hospital and. You know, coming off that high of mm-hmm. studying for the last year, passing the exam, doing well. And I just felt like, you know, they, I still had all this momentum still <laughs> yeah. going. Because you feel like you're sprinting yeah. at the end. You know, so you're running this marathon. And then at the end, you're like, just, you're sprinting for the finish line. And then when you reach there, you're like, oh, I've still got quite a bit of energy left. You yeah. know? Let's, well, uh, what else we got? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's keep going. So that's where I think I got involved with sort of... Um, you know, getting involved with sort of part one teaching. So I, I, I think quite early in the piece, um, started doing the respiratory physiology at the part one ANSCA course. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so I started teaching that and also being involved with uh, uh, sort of teaching other trainees and giving back in terms of uh, part one uh, teaching as well. Mm. And then I remember that uh, at that time for um, the ANSCA training module, you had to create like a, like a project. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, so my project was um, based on writing a just just writing just writing like a core textbook. So shout out to David Pascott and, and Amanda Barrich at the Northern Hospital. They they sort of supervised me through this. Oh, nice. But I was just run, writing sort of a textbook in terms of just the um, just the I uh, or just how to give a basic anaesthetic or just you know or, oh, yeah. Or, yeah 
just like a oh, very nice. anesthetic handbook for um, for you know delivering anesthetics in in like a in country in the, the the specific country was Mongolia. Yep. Yeah, they do a lot of good work. They do a lot of very good work there. Yeah. So you know, I sort of contributed with that handbook there, and a lot of that was. Oh, I've, seen um, that. I've seen that handbook. Yeah, yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure I've um, sent the handbook to lots of trainees yeah. <laughs> and just based it on. Again, you know, sort of the same sort of concepts in terms of, you know, what I learned from the part one, yep. you know, reading about uh, different topics and just trying to um, summarise and synchronise it and mm-hmm. um, just succinctly. So that's what I did after the part one. I know it sounds quite geeky. I know it sounds like, you yeah. know, I, I should have just gone on a holiday. I expect no less. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, at that time, it, you know, I just felt that, you know, just with the, you know, what I've, what I put in and, I, I just felt like I just wanted to sort of, yeah. yeah you, utilize the knowledge. Back. You don't want to lose that, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, what did you do after passing the uh, yeah, I mean, part I, one? I, I really, I just remember how happy I was because I really wasn't sure I was going to pass. And, you know, anyone can fail this exam, really. It's, it's that difficult. Um, but I was high for nine months, I reckon. I was, a, I was in a state of such bliss for nine months. And I felt the same. I really wanted to just do so much. Um, I, I felt like I, I don't think I had the opportunity. I didn't... Um, uh, like when I was asking if I could teach, I didn't have the spirit I have now, which I, I feel like I can just teach anyone anything, mm. and all I have to do is get on the internet and f- find people who want to learn. You know, like yes, uh, I didn't have that spirit back then, and I was far more shy about this. So th- I felt like uh, I wish I'd started this. Doing, you know, if we had started this after our first part exam, that would be a whole new ball game. I think. You think so? I, I think so. I mean, as in. It's hard, the, isn't it? The lead time. As in yeah. the detail that I felt I knew and you knew back then, that, that feels pretty good. But, you know, over time we get more perspective about things as well. Yes. But I think, I think that perspective is important. Like, I, I, I honestly do believe, like, what I would have talked about back then mm. is very different to how I would approach things right now. Yeah, I so, get Yes. And, and so, like, when I used to do part one teaching for respiratory physiology, you know, after I you know, after I finished, mm. I was still, you know, trying to pass on like complex concepts, interesting concepts, but, you know, just, just probably stuff that probably wasn't important <laughs> in terms of passing. And I think I sort of realized that over a period of time that, that that's where, that's where um, the pitch should be for, mm. you know, 90% for, for most of us, for 90% of the trainees, that the pitch should be right in the middle um, so that it just makes sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I remember being motivated then and thinking, okay, I've got, I've got a couple of years till I start studying for my second part. And I was thinking, what do I want to learn? So I, I really wanted to know all regional. I, my, my hospital didn't do that much regional, so I just hit the ground running. I, I, I just immersed myself in regional anesthesia and echo. And I thought, yep, if I can get these two things done and, and you know, improve my independence in, in anesthesia that's that's a good couple of years and yes and so those were my tick boxes i could do any block by the time i was an advanced trainee and i was really happy with that and i could you know stick a probe on someone and hopefully get some good information i've got to say those skills uh, the echo skills are definitely less now <laughs> uh but <laughs> well it's quite interesting in terms of you've i think you and i have just demonstrated that um what why it's actually important this this ANSCA, i mean this part one exam mm. It's about lifelong learning, isn't it? Yeah, it changes your DNA. I but feel like you, you, know, you, have all, you spend so much time devoted to something, it changes the way you know how to learn something and structure something. It's mm. like, I, I think the first part was great for all the, all the reasons other than the actual content. Yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> and, and I agree. I think, you know, life is all about learning. It's, it's a lifelong learning experience. So, so never forget that even after you pass your part two. Mm. I think a lot of us just go straight out to work. But I think we, we want to instill that, that um, you know, just those habits, mm. that culture that never stop learning. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so you know, move on, move on to your next thing, which you did, Echo and, and regional, and now, and now you're you're an education master on uh, yeah, that's right on, on social media on YouTube. Um, Fantastic, except for the trolls. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, it's all good. So, look, I have been following basketball, and I want to make uh, sort of one comment, um, and it is about also. Um, how we approach things as well. Yep. So do you, do you follow the basketball at all? I've got to say, I've been recently watching some YouTube clips of Steph Curry. Oh, right. <laughs> oh my God, this guy's a genius. <laughs> so he's, he's amazing. And the, the next big one is going to be Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks. So he's been doing yeah. really well. So look, the, the one that just passed was the Philadelphia um, Atlanta series and um, Ben Simmons. So Ben Simmons, he plays for Philadelphia. He's an Australian basketballer. And what happened to him that series was that... Um, his free throws mm-hmm. went completely off the boil. Really? So it actually happened the series before when he was playing with Washington. They instituted a, st- a strategy where they would foul him mm-hmm. and he would go to the foul line mm-hmm. and that he would... Because he, he's, he's, he's an average free throw shooter mm-hmm. around you know, 50 60%. That's low, isn't that, it? That is low. That is low. But you know, it's about, about 60%. And what happened during the series was that it dropped down to less than 40%. Wow. So they foul him every time. And so they foul him every time. And the problem was, was that once they did that, it sort of made him realise what his weakness was. Hmm. And so when he went into the um, Atlanta series, he just couldn't overcome that. And so he would become so timid and he wasn't able to um, be aggressive and sort of you know, go for shots because of just of that fear, mm. just of that fear of um, being fouled and having to go to the free throw line and missing. Mm. And, and I think that's important to sort of um, see the, you know, the, the symmetry or, or, or how it sort of, um, it sort of reflects in terms of our, our exam. And when, when we don't do things well and we fail, mm-hmm. how we have, you know, we've got, it's almost like an inbuilt scar. Mm-hmm. And it makes us almost fearful of, you know, approaching that again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, you know, in terms of strategies to sort of overcome that, mm-hmm. you, know, w- you know, we need to talk to a performance, uh, well, I think he is talking to a performance psychologist, but it is all, it is all mental. Yeah. And, and you know. He's had that ability in the past. He's had that yeah. ability, yeah. And, you know, previous, you know, he has shown in previous games, you know, prior to the playoffs, that he can shoot quite well. I think there was one. There was one game where he shot fourteen or fifteen free throws. Yep. Um, so he is capable of doing it. So it, it is. It is a big of a mental. Um, there is a bit of a mental component uh, to it as well. Um, so you know, for those that are out there that that haven't passed, I, you know, just you know, reach out, speak to the right people, get, get your mindset straight, and I and I think you know a change of environment is often good. Yeah. You know, like, and, and don't, don't be scared, you know, don't be scared sort of changing things around and mm. just doing things a bit different because yeah. I think it, it just gives you that, that sort of right frame of mind. Yeah. Um, I think that's good. So definitely reach out to us. Uh, yeah. Let us know what you're doing. Email us. And especially if you would like to contribute in any way. And I'm not, I'm not sure we make this too public about what we're all about. But um, so, you know, obviously this podcast is free, but I think we'll soon 
start a Patreon account where you know you'll, you you can support the podcast through Patreon. Um, but w- whatever money that you do give, we're just going to give it away to charity anyway. Yeah, we we want to support educational causes, mm. um, and I think it it just gives you know that cycle of positivity. Uh, yeah, back. Right. So I think you know we agreed on that uh, the the funds would go off to fund a fellow. Yeah, exactly. Fund tell, a, yeah, do you want to tell us a bit, bit about that? Well, there's a um, there's a fund a fellow program through the ANSCA Grant Research Committee, and let me find it. So what it involves is um, f- that the funds will go off to a country which is. A f- I think it's affiliated with ANSCA, but it allows it allows the the fellow to um, get through their training. Actually, we'll, we can talk about this more later on another episode. We'll get yeah. all the details about it. Yeah. It's called the Alistair Davis Alistair Davis Fund a Fellow Program. So yeah, well, I think we'll talk about it on another yeah. episode. And yeah. essentially, if you would like to contribute in some way, um, and you can even ask us, you'd like to con- maybe you got an idea, or maybe you just want to contribute, not sure how. Please, you know, drop us a line, and we'll be, you know, we'll be happy to help you and you know, guide you along, whatever you want to do, really. Um, and then whatever we can do with that, you know, whatever it is, we always have a charity event with us. So, on that note, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Please share with anyone who might be interested, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks very much. Bye.